gentlemen, welcome to America's Auto Enthusiast Program. This is Auto World. And now, here's your host, Bob Long. Hey there. Welcome, everybody. Thank you very much for joining me here for another hour of the program. And this is the hour we look forward to each and every week when we are joined by the CEO of thelubepage.com, Dan Watson, who's standing by, which means you guys can pick up the telephone and give Mackenzie a call toll-free from anywhere in North America, 855 660 5142 855 610 5242. Or you can email us up at uh, bob at com or dan watson at com. And we, we've already collected a bunch of questions here. We got one from Arkansas, one from KPAM land in Portland, Oregon. But let's begin by welcoming the man himself, a certified lubrication specialist with more than 25 years of experience, one of the largest AMSOIL distributors in all of America, and truly just a remarkable gentleman with uh, an incredible knowledge of oil and lubrication. Here he is, Dan Watson. Dan, welcome. How are you doing? Doing well, Bob, and uh, I had a little bit of a an idea tonight to run past you. I want to talk about some topics here in the first segment or so, see where we get to with them. But when we come back to the second segment, i got a question I'm going to throw to you to let you think about it until then, and then you can uh, tell our audience your answer. And here's the question. You've, uh, you've evaluated a lot of vehicles, a lot of cars, a lot of things, and there may not be easy to find one, but what is your opinion of a buyable? When I say that, I mean not, you know, like a Maserati or something that you got to spend two hundred thousand dollars for. But if somebody was looking for a top performance street vehicle that you can buy from a manufacturer, not from a race uh, car builder, but from a manufacturer, which one do you think would be the best? buy for a performance car that somebody would like to buy today in, in you know, 2018-19 time frame. So think about that and when we come back into the second segment. You know, there may be a couple. You may not be able to narrow it down to one, but what do you think about that? I'd like to know. That's cool. That's cool. I like that. Can you give me a, a price tag or a range? Well, or... something that, let's just say it'd be because... They are, they can get expensive. Let's keep it under a hundred thousand dollars. In other words, okay. you know, there's there's some very exotic cars that you go past that, and you might qualify your answer with, well, if you want the best bang for your buck, this is one. But if you're willing to spend twice that much and still under a hundred thousand, you might be able to get something that shows I am. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a great question. I'll have to start pondering it yeah uh, i got stuff here you know i'll be blithering for a few minutes so (laughs) so you can (laughs) ponder that in your mind but i wanted to talk a little bit tonight on a couple topics that come up and i think i can finish this first one on filtration before we get to the first break and why i bring this up is people need to understand that you know i i talk about lubrication all the time but if you don't have top line 
filtration to go along with top line uh, lubricants, then you're only halfway there. Uh, you really have to pay attention to filters. And the reason I say this is because, my gosh, you think that it's hard to find, sort it out, and get quality engine oil. Wait till you get into the filter market. It is just, there is so much trash in the marketplace because it's done on price, okay? And then you can get into some quality filters. And so what does a person look for when it comes to what makes a quality filter? And it needs to be understood a couple of limitations you have on filters that go on automobile or truck engines. We can filter the oil, but we can't restrict the oil flow. We have to have the adequate oil flow to get plenty of oil to all the lubricated places in the engine. We've got to have good oil flow to the bearings. We have to have good oil flow going over the valve train and the camshaft, uh, the timing chain in the front of the engine. We've got to get good oil flow. So the difficulty that a design engineer has to do when it comes to filtration is how to get the maximum filtration and still allow for adequate lubricant flow to perform the function that that lubricant has to do. So what do you do? You go into, well, filter medium. And this is the actual element itself inside the filter, not the can or not the uh, how good the filter looks or how well it's painted or whatever logo it has on it, but what type of filter element is inside that. Now, you will find in the marketplace that a great number of inexpensive filters have what they use the term cellulose filtration medium, like that's something special. Cellulose, that means paper, okay? <laughs> cellulose is a fine way to say it, but it means a paper filter element. Now, that's not even bad if you understand the limitations. Paper filters tend to do really a bang-up job uh, if you just test them with what they call a single-pass test. In other words, there's a way they set up, put, say, 10 gallons of oil in this one chamber, and then they put the filter in the line between this chamber and another chamber. They put uh, a controlled amount of dirt, for lack of a better term, in the chamber. Then they run that 10 gallons of oil through the filter into the other chamber single pass, and then they say, well, okay, how much of it did it remove? Hey, look at that. It it really did a pretty good job on that particular uh, amount of dirt. It removed 97% or something, 95%. Hey, that's pretty good, right? Well, it, there's more to it than that. It can depend on the size of the particles that you're removing. That's another rating on filters. But that's a single pass. Paper filters do pretty well on a single pass, but that's a ridiculous test. What are you going to oil's only going to run one time through the filter in your car when you drive it for the next three, four, five, six thousand miles? Of course not. So they have what they call a multi-pass test, which is what you really want your filter to have to endure is multiple times that the volume of oil is run through the filter. And then what you begin to find out is, well, that paper filter did pretty well in what we would say is like the first 500 miles of operation, and after that it was all downhill, going downhill all the time because every bit of its filtration is what you call simply right on the surface of that paper. And when it can't hold anymore, 
it's done, filter goes under bypass, not much more filtration goes on. So what we need to look at in filters, folks, is you've got a micron rating, and a human hair is about 40 microns. So these are little tiny ratings, okay? But little tiny uh, abrasive particles can do a lot of wear, uh, abrasive wear in the engine. So I've got to have a micron size, and then I need to know the efficiency rating. How's an efficiency rating? What is that? Well, it means if I had 10 particles that came in and I took nine of them out, that would be a 90% efficiency rating. So I have 100 particles that come in, and I take uh, 95 of them out, that's a 95% rating, okay? Unfortunately, a lot of filters are rated on what's called nominal. What the heck does that mean? Nominal means that what is the rating for how well it will do when it removes 50% of the particles, 50%. That's all they're shooting for. So they'll say, oh, this filter's got a nominal rating on 20 micron that's nominal. It means every other micron particle is removed. Okay, I will finish this up right after the break, and then we'll make Bob Rick answer his question. All right. I am pondering values in performance vehicles under $100,000. I'm going to see if I can give you a whole bunch to talk about. We'll have lots of fun. Straight ahead, more with Dan Watson. This is Auto World. Giving your radio a broadcasted tune-up. This is Auto World and your host, Bob Long. That's right. We are back. We are live all across North America on great radio stations around the world via the Internet at GCNlive.com. Mackenzie's our technical producer at Master Control in Minnesota. I'm in my humble uh, studio at home here in Central Florida. And joining us on the line, we've got uh, Dan Watson, our go-to guy when it comes to all things to do with lubrication and oil. He's joining us also from somewhere in the Central Florida area. And before the break, uh, you were talking about filtration, and you, you were making some really good points. So continue, Dan. Yes, let me uh, close that out. Uh, so in filtration... We know that you can put a paper element in, and in many cases it will do a good job for maybe four or 500 miles, and then it's sort of filled up and can't hold any more dirt, and it doesn't filter very well anymore. Now, there have been improvements in cellulose or paper filter mediums, and they get a little bit better than that, and they can end up to filter some on down the road. But in general, that's a cheap filter. It doesn't really do the kind of job that you need done. Now... So I'm looking at this filter, and I'm saying, well, what should it have? Well, it should have a rating of the micron size particles that it removes, and that's kind of important. You don't want to buy you know, a lot of filters that will be 30 micron filters. Okay, that's kind of an average filter. Uh, you know, I would prefer to always have something down in the 20 micron size. But here's what you get, and you have to be careful. You get a filter that's rated as 30 micron nominal. And as I said before the break, nominal means 50% rate. Every other particle goes through it. That is not a very good filter. Now, if you have a filter that is higher rated, you might see one that says that it is 98% efficient. That's considered an absolute at 98%. It's 98% efficient. It takes out 98 particles out of 100 that would pass, try to pass through it. And, for example, some filters in the AMSOIL line that are called uh, 
absolute filters, efficiency absolute, EA filters. They're 98% efficient, and they're a 20-micron filter at that rate, but they're also a 5-micron filter at nominal rating. So if you want to get every other particle, they're getting every other 5-micron particle, right? Goodness. So, And these filters are made with a what they call synthetic medium. That amounts to incredibly fine synthetic fibers in the medium. So I guess I'll close this out on filters and say, folks, the real truth is you do get what you pay for when it comes to filters. If you pay 4 or $5 for a filter, you're going to get a low-quality filter. If you pay $15, $16 for a filter, you're going to be getting a high-quality filter because that's just the way it works. There's no free lunch when it comes to filtration. So now we're going to go back to the question that I asked Bob and bring mm-hmm. people up to speed on that. I asked Bob to give us his opinion on the best high-performance vehicles. One would be one, let's say, that is the best bang for your buck, something probably $50,000 or less. And then if you don't care too much and you want to spend more money, it would go up to 100000 But we really don't want to know about the the Maseratis and the million-dollar cars because that would just be a dream world for most people. So that ball is in your court, Bob. <laughs> well, Dan, uh, there, we're focusing here on new vehicles. Another time we could talk about where used vehicle buys, but I, I've got a long list, actually, but I'll begin with the one that is probably the performance bargain, and that's the Dodge Challenger RT with the SCAT pack, which gives you the 392 Hemi V8 and 485 horsepower, 470 pound-feet of torque, hooked to either an 8-speed automatic or a uh, a 7-speed or 6-speed, rather, Tremec manual gearbox or an 8-speed automatic. And this is the most powerful V8 that you're going to get for just a tad under $40,000. Wow, yeah. If you you get a few options, it's it's easy to get it up close to 50, but, you know, you can get this. But there are some other ones bubbling around the same area. The Corvette, this is the best Corvette they've ever made. The base Corvette starts uh, in the $50,000 range. It's the last front-engine Corvette, 6.2 liters, 475 horsepower, 8-speed automatic, 7-speed manual, a great vehicle. Also from Chevrolet, the Camaro ZL1, which has the Corvette Z06 engine in it. Just amazing, powerful engine, 650 horsepower, wow. 650 pound-feet, 0 to 60 in the threes. Um, we're talking a really fast car. From Ford, we've got the Shelby GT350, which has a 5.2-liter, normally aspirated, a little over 500 horsepower, only manual gearbox with a flat crank shaft, plain, flat, plain crankshaft in it. This is the same kind of crankshaft that they put in Ferraris and Lamborghinis. And the reason why it sounds a little bit different than your normal American muscle cars, this vehicle is called the Voodoo Engine. The 5.2 Voodoo Engine in the GT350 will rev up to to seven and eight thousand RPM, uh, and so it's a sophisticated V8 engine with a, just a wicked exhaust note. It's uh, upcoming 
uh, brother, the top of the line Mustang, I'm sure will stick her well under a hundred thousand. I think probably somewhere between seventy and eighty. That's the GT500. It will be the most powerful Ford ever, ever assembled and put out there. It has a supercharged version of that same Voodoo engine, but no flat plane crankshaft in it so it's got more of your traditional low lower revving type of american v8 engine in it uh some other vehicles if you don't care about speed mazda's miata has been a global bestseller matter of fact it is the most successful roadster in the history of all roadsters more miatas have been sold than any mg products or triumph products or fiat products from years ago so that's that's a great value for the money in the thirty thousand dollar price range. They even have a retractable hardtop convertible that's in the thirty thousand dollar range, which is quite cool. You've also got uh, the folks from FCA Fiat Chrysler Automobiles offering the ultimate variations of the Challenger. So if you wanted the ultimate Challenger, you would say I want a Challenger Hellcat Red Eye which gives you the high-performance version of the Hellcat engine. Your regular Hellcat engine puts out 717 horsepower through an 8-speed automatic, but your Red Eye is going to put out 790 horsepower, and it's also going to come with more extensive chassis tuning. Uh, those loaded up are about 80,000 or so, close to 90,000. Uh, for those purists who want... A pure sports car, the I'm going to call it the Boxster and its closed coupe companion, the Cayman from Porsche. Great, great vehicles. Yeah, get expensive, but they're in that mix. And then uh, finally, uh, the one that I'll I'll wrap it up with is the Jaguar F-Type, the two-seater Jag in our configuration. It's like a supermodel with 550 horsepower. So that's Bob Long's list. Well, we'll talk more about it, Dan, quickly on the other side. This is Auto World. Hi, Jay Leno, and you're listening to Auto World with Bob Long. Dan Watson, CEO of TheLubePage.com, is with us, and we're going to be talking about uh, lubrication. we got a bunch of questions lining up. If you want to get on board via the phone, now would be a good time, 855-660-4261. So, Dan, I didn't mean to give you so many choices, but this is... This is the year. This is the era. This is the golden era of performance and automobiles. And for those people, whether you've got forty thousand or fifty thousand, thirty thousand, forty thousand, fifty thousand, up to a hundred thousand, you can grab some incredible muscle cars. And you know, even the base Mustang GT, if it's four hundred and twenty-five horsepower. Same with the base Camaro SS, uh, over four hundred horsepower, and both under under forty thousand dollars, so they're not all multi million dollar exotic cars. They're they're somewhat obtainable. Well, the one thing I want to make sure that our listeners understand is you had no foreknowledge of that question, and I am amazed with your catalog of information. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I'm yeah, just I mean, uh, I can understand. Uh, I asked that question to. If off the top of your head you could come up with the information on maybe one, maybe two, but 
when you're able to uh, evaluate and have that amount of knowledge on those cars, that truly is an indicator to our listeners of, of why you are the host of Auto World Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Well, uh, just like you know lubrication, uh, I'm just a car geek. So I'm... Oh, yeah. you. Well, listen, hey, uh, I, I enjoy asking you those questions because it gives me a chance to get a little insight into your mind and see where you go with it. So it's, it was quite uh, – that, that's very good. Thank you. Let me move forward for one more thing here that I wanted to just clear up for a minute. I had questions off and on from people on the general topic of people do not understand what octane ratings for their gasoline means, okay? And it, it's not a big deal, but it should know this. Octane is not how – uh, quickly your gasoline will catch fire. Okay, Some people think, oh, yeah, higher octane, that means that gasoline got more power. It'll, it's going to have more, it burns quicker, or burns or something, right? Here's what octane is. Octane is a rating of how slow we can get that fuel to burn. Now, people think, oh, what in the world do you, why do you want it to burn slow? Well, they have a term they use in the automotive engine that you can have detonation, and that's not what we want. We do not want one bang and the, call it the gas ball, expands that volume against the piston. That's it. It has like a peak pressure, and then as the piston's moving, it just boom, it dies off. That would be a detonation. What we want is the there to be, now folks, understand, we're talking about in... Um, milliseconds, uh, thousands of a second, not in seconds. We're talking about measuring things in that small of a scale. But listen, when your piston comes up, gets to the top of the cylinder and has compressed that gas and uh, air mixture and that spark plug sets it off, we do not want what's called detonation, which is just bang, it sets it off. We have a maximum pressure and the piston starts heading down. What we want is for the gas ball volume there to be expanding the whole time the piston is going down. For example, if I were pushing a wheeled cart in the driveway and I pushed hard one time, see how far I'd go in the driveway, right? That would be so much force was exerted to that cart. But what about if I set my feet, put my shoulder against that cart, and I drove it as hard as I could with my legs, the full uh distance of the driveway, I would have put tremendously more energy into the cart. Well, it's the same thing with the piston and the gas ball. If I can get that gas to be expanding, then that means as the piston travels down, it opens up a larger volume, but my gas is still expanding, so it's still pressing hard on the top of that piston. That's called power. It's transferring the power, the energy to that piston, and that in turn is what gives us horsepower and gives us torque is whatever pressure we're pushing down on the top of that piston. So what I want is I want an expanding gas ball, not a one-time boom detonation at the end of it. I want it to go boom like that for duration. Okay, so now octane ratings in the fuel, the higher the octane, the longer duration that it will actually continue to burn and expand and put pressure. Therefore, high-octane fuels are used in racing because 
We want maximum power. We do not want detonation. We want a continued expanding gas ball on top of that piston, pushing that thing down. Okay, so that's what octane is all about. One quick thing on it in application, theory to practice, as they say, your car actually has a thing in it, believe it or not, called a knock sensor. Mm -hmm. It's listening to hear a certain knock, and that knock is only produced by a certain rated octane fuel, and that is what adjusts the car, uses that as one of its adjustments for its timing and for the computer control. It's got It needs that uh, knock noise that goes on. That's what it's doing. Now, if you have a vehicle that's rated for 87 octane and you run 93 octane in it or something, right, 91, 93, 95, whatever higher octane fuel you buy, you may not get as good a performance in that vehicle as if you ran the 87 octane. And I know people would go, that can't be right. You run that higher octane fuel, da, 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 da. No. That car and its computer system is designed for probably 87 to 89 octane in that range. What happens, the reason some people report that they get a better performance from running higher octane, and this is not a performance car. This is just a passenger car we're talking about. The reason why they report that is because in many cases, The 87 octane rating that's on the pump is not being achieved by the gasoline they're pumping into the car. It might be 85. And so when they then buy premium from the same place, and it happens to be maybe 89 instead of the 91 or 93 that it says it is, it actually gets the car in the right zone, and it runs better. But it is not because that you're in that standard car with the knock sensor that you're trying to go up to high octane, because that computer will not deal with it. Does that make sense, Bob? That makes a lot of sense, Dan, and it's a question we get quite a bit here on the program. And uh, Another thing, too, uh, just to point out for folks, I mean, if your vehicle requires premium unleaded, do yourself a favor and do it. Don't skimp and save a few pennies. The reason why the manufacturer is saying premium required, there are definite reasons for it. Um, Well, and the number one reason is usually Mm -hmm. that engine may be a higher compression engine. Mm -hmm. And back to our little uh, school of the the auto about the, the expansion of that gas ball, remember high compression, you're already starting out with a higher pressure so it would be easier to have detonation in that situation and lose your pressure rapidly. So what you need is a fuel that will burn and expand longer in a high uh, compression engine than in a low compression engine. And that's why, you know, back when you and I were boys and they sold these muscle cars and things, and some of them they said, you've got to run premium fuel in this car. Well, but they were running some of them ten and a half to one compression instead of the regular automobile runs about eight and a half to one. Some in the regular range might run nine, but you go above nine, you're going into high compression gasoline engines. So you're running around with a ten or ten and a half or eleven to one compression. You have to run uh, high octane fuel, and that's why you run premium. And like you said, Bob, if you don't run premium in that engine, you're really going to have. Uh, Poor performance. 
Absolutely, and potential even damage to the engine if it's yeah. done to the extreme. When we come back on the other side, we've got Tommy in Arkansas with a question, and we've got uh, Bill in Portland, Oregon, hosting on KPAM with a question. So give us a call, 855-660-4261. This is Auto World. Giving your radio a broadcasted tune-up. This is Auto World and your host, Bob Long. Have you heard the story? Dan Watson is with us at this time each and every week, so you can tune in at this very same time, very same station, or uh, listen to us online anywhere in the world, GCNlive.com. If you prefer to listen at another time, if you are listening on tape delay, you have a question for Dan, don't. Be a stranger. Just drop me an email, bob at autoworldradio.com. Drop Dan an email, Dan Watson at com, Or you can even call Dan. And, Dan, why don't you give out that phone number for yourself? Sure. It's 800-370-2986. And he will return your call. It might take him a day because he gets so many calls in the course of a day. But, uh he will get back to you, and uh, that really surprises a lot of folks. So uh, take advantage of all the wonderful knowledge that uh, he has got to give to you on a personal one-to-one basis. And, uh, again, he's one of the largest Amsoil distributors in all of North America. So whether you're listening uh, in the great state of Washington or whether you're listening in Florida, whether you're listening in Maine or listening in New Mexico, uh, you can get your oil from Dan. So all you have to do is go to the loop page, give him a call. So, Dan, do you want to dive into a question or two? Sure. Let's ask, see if we can get some of these done before we close out here. All right. The first one is from uh, Tommy, who's in Arkansas. Tommy writes, I have a Harley, and I use 20W50 engine oil. I can buy oil from the parts store for much less then I have to pay for motorcycle oils. Do I have to buy motorcycle oil? What do you think? Well, it depends upon how long you want your motorcycle to last. Because there's no doubt that you could buy some standard automotive oil, put it in your motorcycle, crank it up, and drive down the road. But the problem is that oil is not formulated for that motorcycle engine. So it wouldn't uh, be the best thing for long-term use because you'd have accelerated wear. See, motorcycles, are they need oil that has a high concentration of zinc, phosphorus, uh, maybe even a significant amount of uh, sulfur compounds in it, okay? And when you look at what is now required by the EPA for automotive engines, you end up finding out that those the EPA has restricted those additives to lower amounts in an effort to protect a poisoning of the catalytic converter. Okay, fine. But motorcycles don't have catalytic converters, and they're better off with higher concentrations of zinc, phosphorus, and sulfur than what you could get in an automotive oil. So you would just be telling your motorcycle to get by with less, it will for a while, but later when you have too much wear in the engine, you start losing compression. You may start to hear some knocking going on and things that you don't want. So 
the straightforward answer to the question is you got a motorcycle buy motorcycle rated engine oil okay and that that's the best practice you can do used to you could buy a a, a 2050 uh, or oils under the old ratings and they didn't have any restrictions so you could have uh, 12 13 1400 parts per million of zinc phosphorus uh, compounds but you can't do that most of the places now so you're you're advised to buy something that says it's rated for motorcycles and that'll mean that it probably has a high zinc rating on it so i hope that's enough for Tommy, to understand the difference between motorcycle oil and automotive engine oil. Extremely well done. And, Tommy, definitely take Dan's advice and and use good oil. You don't want to run your Harley into the ground unless you're planning on not keeping it for very long. If you're planning on keeping it, definitely uh, take uh, Dan's advice. Bill in Portland, Oregon. Uh, wants to talk about manual transmissions. He says, I see that some cars have manual transmissions that are calling for ATF. Others call for gear lube, and some call for synchromesh transmission oil. Easy enough for me to say. How can there be much difference in the applications, and which is right? It's a good question. Well, here's real quick on this. These transmissions, they just need what I'd call a fairly lightweight uh, product that lubricates and has good anti-wear additives in it, okay? And that would be transmission fluid, motor oil, certain types, and that synchromesh transmission fluid is really, in the early days in the synchromesh transmissions, they put in a, a straight 30-weight motor oil, okay? And the gear lube application is really, in most cases, unnecessary, because there is no place in that typical manual transmission where you would actually reach an extreme pressure condition that you would need gear loop for it, okay? So here's the deal. Don't be surprised when you see that, but I tend to say in those situations, stay with the manufacturer's recommendation. The manufacturer recommended it, use it. Don't be surprised if they say ATF. Years ago in one of the Mustangs, uh, they started using ATF in the manual transmission. And I can't tell you, this was in the in the 90s, how many calls we got. This is crazy. I can't put ATF in the manual transmission and had to calm people down. Real quick on this, Bob, what happened years ago is they did discover that they were using thicker gear lubes, that they never had any problem with the gears. They just kept having bearing problems because inside the transmission you have either ball bearings or roller bearings. And they are best lubricated with a lightweight, light oil film on the rollers and on the races, nothing thick. And so what was happening is the thicker stuff was causing bearing failures, but they weren't having any gear failures. Okay, fine. You look over in an automatic transmission, it has steel gears. They're called sun and planetary gear system within that transmission. And they're lubricated about what amounts to about a 10-weight oil. Okay, and with good additives in it, and we're talking about some really extreme operating conditions for some of those automatic transmissions. You just mentioned in all those really powerful cars, that automatic transmission. So if you can lubricate that automatic transmission gear set with all that power applied to it, for goodness sakes, you think you could put that in a simple four-speed transmission that might be in a lightweight car? Of course you can. So 
no surprises here. The only quick thing is, is make sure anytime you've got a manual transmission, determine whether or not you need something that is compatible with yellow metal, brass synchronizers. Don't, don't destroy your brass synchronizers with something that would be incompatible. And your owner's manual should tell you what to use, particularly to protect those, um, it would be a GL4 gear lube in the parlance of gear lubes, but it more than likely in a lot of cases would just be a synchro mesh. So, Great. all right, we got that one done. <laughs> all right, let's see if we can sneak one more in. Uh, I have Bill from Georgia on my mind, so <laughs> what's uh, Bill talking about? He would like Amsoil uh, to recommend a 2018 Power Stroke diesel. Okay. Yes, and it is now today you want to be using in that engine. It would be called CK4. That's the rating. We went through uh, CI4, CJ4, now we're at CK4 heavy-duty diesel oil. That's what you want to run in that vehicle. And uh, the reason he's asking his questions is the Power Stroke, uh, the Ford came out with a, a bulletin. They weren't happy with the formulation of the CK4, and they weren't, weren't sure it was providing the protection they wanted in their Power Stroke engines. Well, with some further research and stuff, they backed off on that some. But what I would say to you, Ford was on the right target in one aspect. you got to be careful that you buy the very best diesel oil you can for these incredibly powerful turbo diesels, like the Power Stroke diesel, the Duramax diesel, the Cummins turbo diesel. These things are monsters. They're like the performance engines in the pickup trucks, okay? So if you want to buy the very best diesel oil you can buy, hey, just check Check out Amsoil's Max Protection Diesel Oil by a, a test that Amsoil doesn't even uh, particularly use, but by the Detroit Diesel Anti-Wear, Anti-Scuffing Test, Amsoil provides six times the rating that's necessary for that test, and that's just one of the things in that oil. It is a bulletproof oil, and if you've got one of those engines, for goodness sakes, you have a turbo in there that's going to be a four or $5,000 repair if you blow that thing up. You've got some of the most sophisticated injectors, ever mechanical devices ever built in the history of mankind. I mean, you have an extremely high-tech engine and its service components that are on it. Treat it with the very highest quality engine oil you can buy. That's, a, that's just the best advice you can get. Absolutely. And for more advice, Dan Watson at thelooppage.com and that 800 number one more time, Dan. 800-370-2986. Thank you, my friend, for doing an outstanding job in this hour of the broadcast. We'll see you back here, same time, same place next week. We'll look to it, Bob. All right. That